to start. So there was a guy named and he was and he was looking over the fence and he saw his little neighbor Jimmy and Jimmy was just finishing filling up a hole with and Green said, "Hey Jimmy." He said, uh, what you doing there? And Jimmy said, I'm burying my goldfish. My goldfish died. And Mr. Green said, oh, I'm so sorry about that. But he said, isn't that a little bit big for, for, uh, for just burying a goldfish? And he said, goldfish died your cat. <laughs> sorry to all the cat lovers. All the cat lovers are scowling at me right now. But anyway, it's uh, really good to be in the house of the Lord today. This is an exciting series. Move toward Easter. I'm so excited, and I hope you'll make plans for it. On Good Friday, the Friday before Easter, that night, imagine this that you're in transformed into a dining room, and we're going to have tables, and we are going to take the Passover meal together. And we're going to actually have a Jewish Christian that leads us through the symbolism of the Passover, and we are going to uh, find out how Jesus is represented in all of the elements of that meal. I can't think of a better way to prepare your and to attend the Passover meal together, and that's going to be so exciting. Just to kind of catch you up, we're in this series called Beauty for Ashes. We started with Ashes, watching how God's going to make something beautiful out of those ashes. But if you think of this journey in what we call Lent, this spring series that we're doing as Jesus is moving toward the cross. I want you to kind of visualize it because last week we were in chapter 9 of Luke. We're going, we're we're looking at it from Luke's gospel. In chapter 9, Jesus was in a part of Israel called Galilee. It's the area that Jesus where he did most of his miracles. I've been to the Holy Land. To me, it's uh, other than the history of Jerusalem and everything, it's the most pleasant, beautiful part of Israel. You've got the Sea of Galilee there. Everything is great. Jesus fed five people up on a hillside. So many great works that he did there. Last week we heard the story of the transfiguration and we talked about mountaintops experiences with God and how wonderful they are but then how he had to go into the valley and drove out demons and we learned how our mountaintop experiences are to transform the valleys. We talked about even as life church that yes, I'm so glad for our mountaintop Sundays and coming here experiencing the presence of God. But it's not so that we can be a feel-good church. There's a community to transform. There's no around that need Jesus, and, and that's what we're all about. So that was in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 ends with a passage of Scripture that says, Jesus Absolutely for Jerusalem. So he leaves the mountain of transfiguration and he's on a mission. That's not just a side comment. And it it says that he is going to Jerusalem where he's going to ascend back to the Father. I think it's kind of interesting. He doesn't point to the cross. He doesn't point to the resurrection. But it actually points to the ascension. In other words, he, he he can look past the pain because he knows the joy that's set before him. He's going back to his Father. So he's heading to Jerusalem. Right after that passage, Jerusalem, by the way, just in our minds so we're clear, let's say this is Jerusalem. Jerusalem's here. 
We're way, we're as far from Jerusalem as we can get and still be in Israel. We're in northern Israel called Galilee. The next place that you go to Jerusalem is Samaria. You heard of the story of the Good Samaritan? Samaria were Jews that had intermingled with non-Jewish people, and Jews looked down upon them. Samaritans looked down on Jews. They had different places that they said was the right place to worship. They disagreed about the major stuff. Uh, and even though they were related in their religion, they had nothing to do with each other. And, uh, and so right after Luke chapter 9, Jesus sends some messengers to Samaria to say, I'm coming, get ready, I'm coming. And the Samaritans heard that he was going to be going to Jerusalem. And the Samaritans said, thanks, but no thanks. If you're going to Jerusalem, uh, we don't want you in our town because we're Samaritans. If you want to talk to Samaritans, that's fine. If you want to talk to them in Jerusalem, that's fine. But you can't come to our place on the way to Jerusalem. A couple of the disciples were so offended. They said, Jesus, why don't you call fire down from heaven and just destroy this city? Yeah, they were just feeling like those Samaritans, those those people. Instead, in the very next chapter, Jesus tells a story of the good Samaritan. So that's Luke chapter 10. But today we find ourselves later. We're in Luke chapter 13. Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. He's not yet there. He's past Samaria. He's in the suburbs. He's getting close. Jesus is getting close to Jerusalem where we pick the story up. That is important as we go to our text this morning and you will see why. Let's look at our passage of Scripture. Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. Now, I've got to tell you something before I move any further. There's a huge difference between people here and the people here. They were culturally different. People here near Jerusalem looked down at those people as their backwards cousins. They were, they were considered to be less sophisticated. They had more Hellenistic influences. They were influenced by the Greek world. Whereas these folks, we were the true Jews. We're, the, we're, the, we're, the, we're, the, we're whole milk. We're not skim milk. We're not watered down. We're the real deal. And those folks, they're, they're watered down over there. So they were culturally different. But not only were they culturally different, they were linguistically different. The people in northern Israel, in the Galilee area, they were sloppy when it came to their consonants, according to the people over here. And they left their H's out. And so they made fun of them mercilessly for the way that they talked. Kind of like people from the north make fun of people from the south, and then when they retire, they all move here, right? It was that kind of deal. They just, they just kind of, yeah, I see some transplants laughing back there, right? I, I'm one myself. 
And, and, and so they were looked down upon. But not only that, they were especially looked down at religiously. They don't do the rituals right up there. They don't have it right. Where we, we live in the temple, and the closer you live to the temple, you have the system down. They don't have the system down. And so, some people came to Jesus and talked to them about, talked to these people about those people and said, did you hear about Pilate killing some of those Galileans? And while they were trying to make their sacrifices. And Jesus says, do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee? Jesus asked, is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish too, unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. The only, the only place in history that we know this story. We don't know it from any other place in history. We only know this story of Pilate killing these Galileans from the Scripture. This kind of stuff happened all the time. It wasn't like the most major news that ever happened. This was, this was kind of a run-of-the-mill occurrence and people were wanting to ha- for him to give political commentary on what was going on in the day. And when that happened, ancient Twitter lit up. People started tweeting, well, of course, they were Galileans. Facebook went crazy. know how to do church in Galilee. People got all agitated and they wanted Jesus to weigh in. Hey Jesus, what about these Galileans? What's going on? Does that sound far-fetched to think that something crazy like that would happen? I would suggest it's as current as our news cycle now. Because on March 15th, a couple, uh, an anti-Muslim terrorist went into two mosques and killed 50 Muslims who were praying. Twitter blew up. We know somebody who went on an anti-immigrant rant and it went viral on, on Facebook and 40,000 views? until Facebook finally shut it down. But there was a senator from, not just the -the run-of-the-mill Facebook, a senator, a senator from Australia who, who quoted the book of Matthew and said, all they that take the sword shall perish by the sword, and those who follow a violent religion that calls on them to murder us cannot be too surprised when someone takes them at their word and responds in kind and Twitter went crazy those Muslims by the way he badly misinterprets the scripture because Jesus when Jesus is talking he's talking about when Peter took out a sword to cut guard's ear and he tells Peter put your sword away because if you live by that sword you're going to die by that sword but this guy twisted the scripture to use it for his anti-Muslim rant. Let me be real clear on something. 
I'm a Christian pastor. I don't believe Jesus is one way. I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. I'm a Jesus guy. You know that. During, my, during recent years, though, I've become friends with people of other faiths. I've got a Baha'i friend from Iran who routinely invites people to our church. Don't think they'll fit in her Baha'i faith, but you need to go to Life Church, she'll tell them. I've got Muslim friends in the audience a couple weeks ago, and it was so exciting. We were singing, there's no one, there's no one like Jesus, that African song. And we had Muslim people walking around the auditorium with us singing that song. So when all this happened, I... I, I uh, got on Facebook and I said to my Muslim friends, I love you and stand with you in your grief and outrage at the senseless violence that occurred in one of your mosques. Injustice anywhere is a threat to, threat to justice everywhere. Martin Luther King. True followers of Jesus are about the advancement of the peaceable kingdom where swords are beaten into plowshares and lions lay down with lambs. In recent years, we've witnessed violence in churches, synagogues, and mosques. It's time to realize that our enemy is not one another, but the devil whose job is to steal, kill, and destroy. I urge my Christian friends to love our Muslim neighbors as we love ourselves and the people who are most like us. Lutheran pastor Martin Niemöller said it best during Hitler's regime. He wrote, first they came for the socialists and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists and I didn't speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. And then they came for me and there was no one left to speak for me. And then I wrote, I speak out for you, my dear Muslim friends and neighbors. Peace, shalom, salam. I even took it and I sent it to uh, a Facebook group called Muslims Knoxville. And I got a nice, nice response from them um, uh, for that. But Jesus, Jesus encourages the people to challenge their assumptions. Did this happen to them because they were Galileans? And Jesus pipes right back up and says, okay, you want to talk about the Galileans? Let's talk about the Tower of Siloam. Go to the next passage of Scripture. It says this, And what about the 18 people who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Were they worse sinners in Jerusalem? These were Jerusalem people. And the Tower of Siloam just randomly fell and killed 18 people. And what about those people? Were they, were they worse than the others that were living in Jerusalem? And Jesus encourages the people to challenge your assumptions. If you're taking notes in your worship guide, you can fill in that blank. Challenge your assumptions. We tend to make assumptions. Bad things happen to bad people and good things happen to good people. And we, we want to make these, we want to make all of these claims about these kinds of things. And Jesus says, I want you to challenge your assumptions. In fact, I don't want you to think about Galileans. I want you to think about yourself. Challenge your assumptions. Mm. So, 50 were killed in a mosque in Christchurch, New Zealand. Maybe, maybe that brings a feeling of superiority to some people who call themselves Christ followers. 
But Jesus would come back and say, what about the 11 that were killed in the Tree of Life Jewish synagogue shooting? That's getting a little closer to home, isn't it? And then if that's not enough, what about the 26 that were killed in the Sutherland Springs Baptist Church in Texas by terrorists? While the Judeans were saying, those people, those Galileans, those, those, those bad people, Jesus turns turns it on them and says, look at yourselves and repent because if we don't, we'll all likewise perish. What does that mean, we'll all likewise perish? Does that mean that we're all going to have towers fall on us eventually and all that kind of stuff? No, no, that's not what it means. By the way, that word perish is an interesting word. It doesn't just mean to die. It means to be separated from God. So it's it's the way that John 3.16 uses it when he says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not what? Should not perish. doesn't mean that they won't die. It means that they won't be eternally separated from God. But, but, but Jesus says, instead of worrying about people that were killed by natural instances, why don't you worry about something that's, that's, that's even more important than towers falling on you or random acts of violence? Make sure that you are ready. Challenge your assumptions. And the next thing that Jesus says is change your mind. What, is the, what do I mean by that? Jesus said, repent, or you will all likewise perish. Now, now the, the word, the translation repent is a little bit unfortunate because when you hear the word repent, you, you picture a red-faced preacher with a vein sticking out here saying, turn or, you know, repent. Re- oh, that was pretty good, wasn't it? Repent. You know, you just, you just, you just picture that, that, that scolding, that scolding sound, but but, but the Greek word was, was much deeper than that. The word was metanoia. The meta, your noia was the center of your being, your mind. And it, what, what he was saying was, change your mind. Change, change your assumptions about things. Change the way you... also want you to change your mind. Stop worrying about the Galileans or the Jews and the tower that fell on them. But I want you to change your mind. If we repented this morning, it would be more than just stop doing bad stuff. It would mean that we left differently than we came. Amen. That we would have a whole new outlook when we left this place. That, that as the Apostle Paul said, that, that, that all things were passed away. And that all things became new. Change your mind. Change your assumptions. The way you look at things. And then I want you to change your minds. And then Jesus told them this story. Jesus said this story is totally connected with what just happened. He tells them this story. A man planted a fig tree in the garden. And he came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. And finally he said to the gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. I don't think we get this as much because we live in America and we have so much fruit and everything that we plant decorative fruit trees, right? We have flowering cherry trees that don't produce cherries. We have Bradford pear trees that don't produce pears. And we're all excited about springtime so we can see 
the Bradford pear trees. But in that civilization, you don't plant a decorative pear. Every inch of space, every bit of ground is needed for trees that will produce fruit. So if you're not producing fruit, you're taking up space for some other fruit, some other tree that could be producing. And so they're saying, cut it down, cut it down. But the gardener says, but the gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get fig trees next year, fine. And then if not, you can come down. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, instead of looking at bad things that happen to everyone else, why don't you realize that every day that you have been given is a gift? That if I'm living today, I'm not living because I'm such a great person. And I wasn't bad like those Galileans, and therefore I wasn't murdered, or I wasn't walking under that tower when it came down. Every day is a gift. Could you just turn to your neighbor and say, every day is a gift? Every day. Every day is a gift. And every day is a a space of time that God gives us to change our assumptions, to change our minds, quit being fruitless. And so, so... Jesus said, instead of worrying about what you think are fruitless fig trees, why don't you focus on the faithfulness of the gardener? Aren't you glad that when you were fruitless, the gardener was faithful? I'm so glad that when when I didn't deserve it, that God's goodness and God's grace was giving me another chance, giving me another day. You're sitting here, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm not trying to scare you today, but we're not guaranteed anything but the time that we have. Right now, right now, choose your future. Choose your future, Jesus would say to us. Choose your future, and I would just add to that little, little statement, choose your future now. Choose your future today, today. We're not given any, any, guarantee of tomorrow but here i am today and there's a good gardener here and he wants to challenge our assumptions and he wants us to change our minds and to leave differently than we came there's a picture that uh, my wife and i uh, took a couple um, a couple years ago when we were out at cade's cove and um shows my better side right there To me, it's a profound picture because we're looking out at the cemetery and I don't want to be morbid this morning, but you know, that's, that's where we're headed. Somebody wrote under my, my picture when I posted that on Facebook, they said, that's quite a forecast. And I wrote under it, it's the surest of forecasts unless Jesus comes. It's the surest of forecasts that What we're to learn from everyday things that happen is, hey, every day I have is a gift. Every day is an opportunity to choose my future, to challenge my assumptions, and to realize, wow, there's a great gardener that's given me another chance. I'm going to receive him today. Amen. 
I'm going to lead us in prayer. Before I do, I'm going to do something I didn't do the first service. And I need your prayer for this because it's a hard song to sing, but I'm going to sing over you. And I'm going to sing a song of peace. It's, it's, it's what's called the Aaronic Blessing. It's the blessing that Aaron said over the people of God. And I'm going to sing, pray it over you <clears throat> as we close and before we go to the Lord in prayer. And as we're doing it, I want you to think about how much the Lord has blessed you. And I want you to think about the fact that he's given us this chance today to worship him. And I think I got a big enough mouth, I'm not even going to use a microphone. Let's try this. <laughs> 